Welcome to GeekGab on the Books. I'm Brian Niemeyer, briannemeyer.com. Joining us today is a very special guest, author John Del Rose. He's the author of the new For Steam and Country from Superversive Press, brand new steampunk adventure. And today we're going to be talking about the relative merits of traditional indie publishing. But before we get into that, uh, John, thank you for joining us. Hey, Brian. Thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be here with you. How have you been? You've, you've had a pretty eventful week. I've had a pretty eventful month and a half. I mean, uh, the first Demon Country release uh, was in June, so I was, you know, hurriedly editing that up, and, up until the last minute there. Um, and uh, the release went swimmingly, which I'm, I'm excited about. Um, and uh, just got back from Liberty Con, which is a convention in Tennessee where it's pretty much... It's Bane plus, you know, the, the best of the best of indie authors. Uh, I was telling you, you really need to really need to head out there. I think you'd do well with that crowd. Um, but uh, just super fun weekend, sold out of books at the con and uh, launched a, uh, was part of a launch for an anthology called A Fistful of Credits, uh, which is out from Mark Wandry and Chris Kennedy, which I wrote a short story for. Oh, excellent. Congratulations. And yeah, just a note to the listeners at home you can find for Steam and Country in the show notes below. But also, thanks for reminding me, John, I'll have to add a fistful of credits. Um, I did see that and it looks excellent. Can you tell us a bit about the kinds of stories you'll find in there? Yeah, um, I'll, I'll plug Mark's book because I read it. Um, it's, Mark's book was um, called Cartwright's Cavaliers and it's, it's basically a mercenaries with mechs in space. And uh, it is, it's action packed. It is everything the pulp revolution and indie likes out of science fiction. And uh, so I'm very happy to be a part of that world. Uh, Chris Kennedy's also got his own book in that world. Um, and I can't remember the title at the moment, uh, which is, I've got very soon in my to read queue. Um, they, they got 14 authors, uh, including themselves, me, uh, Brad Torgerson's in it, uh, Jason Cordova's in it, and, and a bunch of other awesome people. Uh, so it's, uh, it's doing really well also. Outstanding. Did, did you get a chance to run into Brad at the con? Was he there? Brad didn't, Brad didn't make it, which I knew of in advance, and uh, I'm sad about that. But I, I know he does attend that con sometimes. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. now, Brad, if you're listening, you are missed. I hope to catch you next time. Yeah. So indie publishing versus trad publishing. This was this is the first for on the books because it's the first time that uh, the guest has chosen the topic to be discussed based on a Twitter poll. <laughs> and there were a number of fine, intriguing topics, all great conversation starters, but uh, you, the listeners, chose this one. So clearly, there is an abiding interest among the public in the question of, you know, should authors go and self-publish? Should you sign with a traditional publisher? And I think it would be helpful to define the terms because I've seen them get a little fuzzy. You know, I've seen certain authors you know, who self-publish almost everything and then sell short stories and say, well, I'm a hybrid author. Or I see some publishers claim, well, we're an independent publisher, which I think of as an oxymoron. But how, how do you define indie and how do you define trad publishing? Yeah, I, I would limit trad publishing pretty well. I mean, when I think of trad publishing, I think of a Del Rey or a uh, Random House or a um, Tor or, uh, or, or Bain. Bain used to be kind of the alternative within uh, that sort of frame, but, but they're, they're, they are the establishment of, uh, 
of uh, military science fiction at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a bit, it's a big company with distribution uh, that, that you'll find in a Barnes and Noble. Uh, if, if you still have a Barnes and Noble near you yeah. um, that, uh, that have their processes that have their slush piles that have their, their uh, very standard advances and rates uh, that, that you can probably, if you're in sci-fi, like, like we are, you can look them up on the CIFWA site and find out exactly what you can expect. Um, and uh, that, that's pretty much how I define it. I, I limited scope to that. I, th- I think there are indie publishers that are bigger than others um, and are more established than others, but they seem to uh, have a more indie mindset in the way that they handle their releases. And um, I, obviously I can, I think Castelia House is the one that we can point to the easiest in that. I mean, if you look at the way they, they time their releases versus the way traditional times their releases, um, the the weight lag is something that's very different. And I, I think that's that's uh, that's going to be a hallmark of the discussion here. All right, thanks. Yeah. See, and it's going to be an interesting discussion because you and I um, are working from different definitions. Mine's a bit simpler. Um, I define independent publishing as an author self-publishing independently of anyone else. And okay. I define TriPub as a publisher of any kind. Of any kind, yeah. Yeah, like a well, because the only two, from my perspective, there are only two parties who are absolutely necessary to the author and reader relationship. I'll let you figure out what those two are. Yeah, <laughs> out of that <laughs> set. Um, so, anytime you're introducing, I mean, honestly, a, a publisher is always going to be a middleman. Correct. Okay. Correct. Now, that's not necessarily bad. That is a negative connotation. There are many, I mean, countless authors who've been very well served by taking on the services of a publisher because not everyone can excel at every skill that's necessary to succeed in publishing or, no. or pay for it for that matter. That's, that's the other, that's the other flip side, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although to flip it over again, really since publishers operate on a percentage basis, they take usually the lion's share of the royalties in the long run, it will be far more expensive for most authors you know, you'll, you'll end up paying your publisher far more for like um, proofreading and editing and marketing than if you just done it all on your own. Um, yeah, I can agree with that to some, some that. extent. Um, yeah, what, what, a, what a publisher offers these days is an editor, a book cover, uh, probably a couple people to help with proofreading it, and uh, then posting something up on Amazon and other sites um, in order to um, in order to get. Uh, you know the the that's that's the uh, product placement, right? Product placement. So uh, right, and they handle the accounting and all that, which is both good and bad. I mean, both as a uh, that last part, if you're doing it yourself, obviously you can get your checks whenever Amazon sends your checks, versus waiting mm-hmm. for whatever deal you have uh, for whatever royalty statement basis it is through a publisher. Um, that's one of the reasons to, I guess, avoid it. Maybe um, if if you're uh, if you're looking for. Uh, certain monthly income or whatnot, uh, but you can you can negotiate that with a lot of small publishers as well. So it, it does end up a little bit more. Well said. Yeah. I, again, it really depends on what your situation is. Um, the the main really what it comes down to is a question was posed by uh, formerly best-selling TradPub author, now indie author Barry Eisler, who said, "Okay, look at." the TradPub contract that they've given you, and then look at publishing on Amazon. Just ask yourself, okay, 
at the 70% royalty rate, right, getting paid every month, how long will it take me to beat the contract? Right. And that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and that it varies from person to person. Um, right. So, um, you know, on, if you're doing very successfully on the indie side, obviously you'll be able to beat that very quickly. Um, if you're really an upstart, um, you might not. And uh, I, I see a lot of people not really ever uh, <laughs> get to a point where they can really monetarily uh, benefit from either doing it themselves or, or working with a publisher. Right. So in those instances, I mean, it, it almost they almost operate as vanity things uh, for a bit because really the dif- really the difference and it doesn't matter. And I, I'm harping on this point, and I know you are too. Uh, what it, your quality is not stated at all by sales, awards, anything like that. Your quality is only your quality is your quality, and it's it's really your marketing that makes the difference in who sees it or not. Um, so that I think that's the big reason a lot of people want to go to publishers or especially the big houses uh, because they believe that the big houses will spend some money and time on marketing them. And uh, from what I understand from most new authors and most kind of lower end mid-list authors, uh, that's absolutely false. You, you won't get, you won't get anything from them. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that, uh, is that your experience uh, with, with most people as well, Brian? Sorry, what what aspect in particular? I was uh... um, j- j- getting getting help with marketing through uh, from uh, from uh, publishers, uh, even 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 the big name publishers. Say say you're say you're getting hired by Tor Books tomorrow um, as a brand new first time author. What you know? Would you? A lot of people, I think, would expect a lot of marketing from them. Uh, I think at most, what you'll get is a review from Kirkus Reviews or Publishers Weekly. And then a couple paid reviewers, um, and then you'll be left to the wind. Those are kind of for it. Now, I, I will say that while I am a hybrid author, I have been both traditionally and indie published. Um, I haven't been published by one of the big five, so right. I can't speak from personal experience, but from many, many firsthand accounts of former and current trap of authors. Basically, if, if you're on the backlist or the the mid list, then you'll be lucky to really get anything. If it's your first time, you'll be lucky to get a small book tour that right. they pay for reimburse you for. Um, bookstore co-op, you know, that's the pyramid of your books right inside the door of Barnes & Noble with a cardboard cutout of you right next to it. Um, publishers have to pay Barnes & Noble for that. Um, yeah, right. you're not going to get that um, unless you're one of their darlings. But here's the it's thing. It's extremely I mean, rare. Yeah, here's... Here's the thing, I'm just going to cut to the chase. The one advantage, the the only one that big five traditional publishers have over indie is they have a monopoly on the paper book distribution channels. Correct. From the printer to the bookstore. And that is dying. It's, it is. And that's that's where that's where I've had the hang up. I, I've still, despite all of this, and despite my negativity on, on the industry, you know, I, I've, I was talking to Brian before the show that, you know, I still really am clinging to that desire to, to want to be in that. And the reason is because I want to see myself in the Barnes & Noble. And that's an irrational thing because it does not necessarily mean I'm going to sell better. And it doesn't actually mean that many Barnes & Nobles will be picking them up because it all depends on their own internal booksellers. A lot of, a lot of people, and, and you can 
go look for their books that just came out a month or two ago and you won't find them in the store without having to order them anyway. Um, so yeah, that, it is a cool thing. Obviously that, that is a, a great vanity thing. And, and if it does take off in that circuit, you obviously, uh, you know, get a leg up over everybody else. Uh, but again, I think that is the exception, not the rule, even with, uh, newer big five authors. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, Really, when, for example, I, I do editing, I do freelance editing, and the first question that I ask my clients is, okay, why are you writing? Why are you publishing? What's your goal here? Because that will affect how I approach the text as an editor, because I also give marketing assistance. And yeah, you're, you're not alone. There, there are some of them who say, yeah, you know what? I just want a book with my name on it. I want to be able to show my relatives. You know, I want bragging rights. I want validation. And you know, that, that's valid. That, that's very common among writers. People like me, I just want to get paid. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I want to reach readers, but I, I want to make a living doing this. I want to do business as intelligently as I can. And yeah, I just, I don't need the validation. I don't really care if one of my books ever appears in a Barnes and Noble. So yeah, I'll, I'll take the 70% royalties. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I think on my uh, thought process, I, I'm in between there. Um, mm -hmm. I, I still kind of get the joy from from the whole thing, and uh, and like having that validation. Uh, but I think I'm inching more towards okay, I want money now, um, and I think that comes with just producing more books. And I, I think that's that's another benefit of indie publishing is you can just spit stuff out as fast as you can possibly write, and uh, if you can move at that speed that's where you start to really uh, do some good things. And I, I think um, Nick Cole really has been saying it a lot. And uh, whenever I ask him for advice, he always tells me, uh, come out with something every month. <laughs> and I, I look at that and I go, whoa, that's, that's, that's not possible. Um, but it really depends. I mean, if you shorten, shorten your text a little bit, if you, uh, if you really dedicate yourself towards writing, 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 um, it, it is doable and there are benefits towards that speed in that in the internet era, uh, the more content you produce faster, the more likely people are to make a habit of your stuff and uh, keep consuming your stuff. Yeah, I have found that, you know, I just did a new release. I just released a standalone novella, Him of the Pearl. And yeah, nothing, well, few things bump up my sales more than release. I suppose the book bomb did, but, um, other than like an endorsement from someone major, someone much, much higher up the chain than you. Yeah, I mean, fans love something new. They, they love a release. And yeah, personally, I, I couldn't imagine being able to write fast enough to release something on a monthly basis. And really, it's, it's a bit deceptive because it's not so much about speed, I've heard. It's just about how long your butt is in the chair and your hands are on the keyboard. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So... It, it can be done. The old pulp masters did it. They put a ream of butcher paper into the typewriter and just went and just cut off when they were done <laughs> and kept going. And uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, what the, I think the indie trail is trying to model itself after these days. Oh, totally. I guess like Dean Wesley Smith have said, yeah, indie is the new pulp. Yep. And that seems to be true in terms of story content as well as in business model. So, but on the speed side, in, in traditional publishing, I mean, you get, 
you can get bogged down. And this is where, um, I mean, my, my dream has always been to go to Bain Books and be, be in their little stable. Um, because, you know, I, gr- I grew up reading Elizabeth Moon and uh, Jody Lynn Nye and um, Lois McMaster Bujold, you know, uh, David Weber, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to be among them. And I wanted to, to see my books among them. Now, as, as I've <clears throat> gone over the years here, I've seen my friends who are actually, you know, have, have ins with the company, have, have some established record to themselves. And I've seen multiple people submit works to them. And no matter who they are and, and what their promise is and, and where they're at, uh, they go directly to their slush pile still, just because that's the process that they have to have because Bain has limited capacity. And if you go up the chain to other publishers, which are, which are bigger, I mean, they, they actually have even more limited capacity. So I've seen people sit in these slush piles for two plus years with their books. And, you know, at the speed of the internet, if I slowed down and just like took a book out of my process right now and just like left it in that slush pile um, and just left it there for two years, I would eat up probably the last six months of my time, you know, which is going to delay my next release, which actually might hurt my career more than it would help it at this point. Right, exactly. And that's another aspect of beating the contract, which is you got to factor, okay, I have this book. I could release it tomorrow on KDP and it will start earning for me as opposed to it's going to be in the slush pile for 16 months. And then even if it gets accepted, there'll be another 16 months before it hits shelves. So just the head start in terms of time and the velocity with which Indie lets you publish as quickly as you want and be as flexible as, as you want. Um, yeah, it's, it's a major advantage. It's probably one of the reasons why indie authors just as a group simply are out earning trad pub authors right now. Yeah, and, that, and that's pretty amazing come to think about it because if you go back oh, 10 yeah. years, an indie author is a person who just bought a publishing deal and had it self-published as a vanity deal. And there, there, were not, there, there was not a scene like this. There were not a group of authors that you could buy and, and there was not a group of authors who are certainly weren't making a living off of it at that time. It's a relatively new concept and it's pretty exciting because of that. Absolutely. So I think we're in agreement on the on the topic as a whole, which is which is really indie's the only way to go. Um, but we're biased, um, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Survivor should bias. Um, so I, I would like to address. Um, yeah. Sorry, didn't didn't want to cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead. All you. Well, there's uh, I think a good issue. Um, someone brought up in the the chat that I'd like your opinion on. Um, Rice Beatty. Sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong points out that, uh, okay, let's say you get a $2,000 advance from a trad publisher. To beat that, you'd have to sell like a thousand copies of your book at $299 on Amazon. And that, that's a lot of work. How, how would you respond to that? Oh, it's a ton of work. I probably spend, you know, I spend three plus hours a day marketing. If you see me on social media, I'm just beating the drum over and over and over again. And I do that in multiple <laughs> ways. I'm not, I definitely don't advocate just posting your book link over and over and over again or you'll lose all your followers Um, but it is engaging with followers and just giving them content like blogs and and things like that and it is super time consuming and it's awful but here's the thing Uh, on your first one it will take a ton of work to do that on your second one uh, you'll get there much faster and not only that but your second one will generate clicks for your first one which will sell you even more and as you go down the line I was talking with Michael J. Sullivan. He, he's probably one of the most successful um, indie authors of all time and now has gone to tra- traditional because 
he's so successful they bought him out basically but he said you know it's really the, the it's really the three once you have the third book that's where you can start to take off and really uh, making a living at it because because there's just something magical with three where uh, it just exponentially increases your sales like that. So yes, there's a ton of marketing work involved. But you're going to have to do that if you're a traditional publisher anyway. Um, if you want to out-earn your advance uh, ever, uh, then you really have to be out there just putting yourself full guns forward all the time. And if you're not, you won't out-earn your advance and you won't get another contract with them anyway. So it'll be moved. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Um, also, I, I would remind the listeners that that advance is a loan. Now, it's a loan at 0% interest that if you don't earn it out, you, you don't have to pay it back usually. But for 50% of TradPub authors, that advance is all they get. And the average first time book advance now is something like $3,000 to $3,500. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's not going to change your life, right? <laughs> no, and it'll. And there's a fifty percent chance that that is all you'll get. And if your first book fails to earn out, there are there are thousand more where you came from. Chances are they will cut you, and you will not get another chance, and and you're done, unless you change your name and start all over with the slush pile. Right. If you look at it in terms of a long time horizon, so okay, you know I publish with TradPub, I get thirty five hundred dollars. It doesn't earn out. That's all I see from it. Because even if you're TradPub, you have to market yourself just as much as into the author. I mean, there, there's no way around that. You can, you can get advances even from, uh, from smaller presses. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I did for my first book. I mean, it was a small advance, but I, I got one. Um, and so that uh, it's, it's doable. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, getting that three thousand dollar range is probably, probably not going to happen with small press unless, unless you're a name who they know and they're trying to court you for whatever reasons for their marketing purposes. But, um, you know, I mean, just, just because of the weight involved, I mean, if, if you do an opportunity cost sort of financial model of that, mm. so you get a $3,000 advance, but you had to wait two, three years in a slush pile and edits and for their timing in order to get that for your one shot, right? Versus right. you've released, I mean, two to three books a year in that time, you'll, you'll earn that, you'll make that money way faster, even even just being a bad marketing indie author, I think. Well, and plus, the internet is forever, mm -hmm. right? TradPub books, um, like, like on average, they're gonna be on the shelf at Barnes & Noble for a couple of months, and then they're gone because they've limited shelf space. Right. With, uh, with KDP, your book is on there forever. So it is earning forever, and it is eventually and unless you do no marketing, like it'll keep burning after you're dead for your survivors, right? It right. will beat that contract. It's going to beat that 3,500 bucks, even if it takes years. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with that. So I, um, I just, I just don't see the benefit and it's because of the, because of the slowness um, with, with the internet, there's just no reason for any industry to act that slow. Well said. That's what I call analog thinking. Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, well, we're, we're a bit over time. We had quite an animated and lively discussion here. Um, before we go, we're, we're passionate. <laughs> we are absolutely us Latins. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm like a court Italian. Hey. Yeah. But before we go, um, you, you have some books out. 
Would you like another chance to tell folks to just join us about them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my first book uh, is Star Realms Rescue Run. And I, I've got a nice dearth of support uh, for um, for the uh, Dragon Award for Best Military Science Fiction, which is not to step on Brian's toes for The Secret King for Best Science Fiction. You can vote for us both, which is the best part. Um, so, Leave a show notes, folks. Please go and, and put that nomination in. If, if, if we get on there, that does so much for indie indie publishing and, uh, and just as a ton for us. Um, uh, that that's out and available and has great reviews on it. It's I, I like to call it Rogue One, but better. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and then uh, uh, for Steam and Country just came out, and it, it is my redefinition of the steampunk genre as fun action adventure. Uh, so if you are interested in steampunk, I want this to be your archetypal steampunk that you turn to, and I think it will be once you once you finish reading it. So those are my those are my two books out now. Well, that, that is a high aspiration, but I, I believe in you. So what do you folks think? Get Stephen Country. Check it out. Link will be below. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to double secret subscribe. Because once you click subscribe, YouTube makes you click the little bell icon or you won't get the notifications of new shows. So this has been Geek Gap on the Books. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us. I'd like to thank our special guest, Dr. John Delrose. You can check out his work and his writings at, John, what's your blog URL? It's delarose.com, and I know that's impossible to spell, but you are looking at the show, so maybe you can. But if you're not, D-E-L-A-R-R-O-Z.com. You can find me at brianneemeyer.com. I'm not even going to try. It's in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. And remember to keep reading.